Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Feckin' Metal. I am your host, Fergal Trainer. So, we're finally here. It's part three of my Iron Maiden Senjutsu review with Andrew DeBroy. It's taken us a while to get here. Um, listeners of the Feckin' Check-In might know, recently I was ill. Uh, Andrew had issues as well. Issues? God, that makes it sound terrible. Um, Andrew had reasons why he couldn't... Uh, get the podcast recorded earlier sooner as i said before real life just gets in the way sometimes but i'm delighted to be able to bring you this massive (laughs) feature length episode with andrew to finish off our series of uh, the review of iron maiden's new album uh, senjutsu which was released back in september uh, which is um two months ago at this stage now so that's coming to you in a couple of minutes. Before we get there, I want to inform listeners who are still listening on the Feckin' Check-In Podcast Network feed. If that's the podcast you follow, that will no longer be the place to listen to episodes of Feckin' Metal after this episode. This is the final Feckin' Metal episode of the uploading of that feed. As I've previously mentioned on previous episodes, previous, previous, that the Feckin' Metal Podcast has now migrated to its own podcast feed. That is, it's its own individual self-contained podcast with no other episodes of any other podcasts mixed in, like the Feckin' Check-In and others. Um, So that's available on all your podcast platforms. If you just search Feckin' Metal Podcast, F-E-C-K-I-N apostrophe Metal Podcast, you'll find it there and you can subscribe and follow if you wish in your chosen podcast catcher your podcast platform wherever you listen to podcasts uh, if you look for feckin metal podcast this is the final one that will be posted up on the feckin check-in podcast network i know this is probably annoying if you've already gone and subscribed and, and done all the steps i advised you to do the last time around but there are probably listeners who are only listening to this maybe for the first time um those initial two episodes of the senjutsu review are still getting downloads so i am assuming people are probably listening to this podcast for the first time and uh, maybe the last time they ignored those instructions so anyway those are the instructions that's the end of the instructions now uh, you're on your own after this and, and so am i really so um i hope you follow me over to the new platform that's feck and metal podcast available everywhere you were probably listening to this right now um i'm not going to say too much more this is going up um, ASAP as I record this. I'm recording this intro on Monday, the 8th of November, and I'm hoping that you'll be listening to this on the same day. But after this, I plan to get back to releasing a podcast every week on Friday, starting on Friday, the 12th of November, with my next installment of my Black Sabbath arc that I have kind of ignored for the last couple of months. But it is going to be finished. I'm going to finish it off with two more episodes, and you will be hearing some new and interesting voices on those episodes that have previously not contributed to any of the earlier episodes of Arc Sabbath. Um, so you'll be hearing a couple of people making their debut on Feckin' Metal, which I'm excited about. I hope you are too. I'm going to leave it there. This is my lengthy chat with Andrew DeBroy, but never boring, I don't think, uh, reviewing the final four tracks on Senjutsu. I hope you enjoy it, as we thoroughly enjoyed recording it. Okay, so we're back. I've got Andrew DeBroy here, and it's part three of our Senjutsu review. This has taken a while to get together, but real life often gets in the way. Uh, how do you make God laugh? You make some plans and all that type of bullshit. So, but it's great to have you back here, Andrew. So, how are you feeling? Feeling much better. I uh, had a rough week or two uh, with a, some health struggles. I dealt with a cold. And you know, as an adult, having a cold is a lot more of a drag, it seems. Yeah, it just seems like I know you had COVID recently. So. I did have COVID. Yeah, it's like the extreme cold. <laughs> yeah. So, what were your what were your symptoms like? Jesus, I mean, 
so I started off, I feel, felt quite sick in that I was very hot and I had a, like a, a fever, let's say, but I didn't have actually have a high temperature because I have a thermometer at home that I've used in the past. But it, it again, it's, it's one of those children's thermometers. Like it has a fucking uh, Tweety Pie um, character on it. Like, so it's a child's thermometer that you buy in the pharmacy. And um, so I don't know how accurate that is, but I was sweating a lot and I felt very warm. That was the initial uh, symptom. Then I got this cough that I couldn't get rid of, which was one of these symptoms that they advertise quite a lot around the start of COVID, like this dry cough that you can't shake. Um, and then I just started getting really achy and like ache, full of aches and pains. And look, because you asked, I'll be honest, I had diarrhea for four days in a row. Um, that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's not even a very right. common symptom of COVID. So I don't know if that was part of it or it was just like, ha- just, you know, my body was just having a laugh going, fuck well, you. <laughs> well, I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that detail yeah. with me. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, uh, with all that combined, um, I had a mild headache and a bit of a sore throat and I was sneezing like fuck for a couple of days as well. Like, so like I basically had everything that's on the list. Well, uh, sense of smell and taste. That went later. Yeah. Um, I'll get to that now in a sec, but I was supposed to be going to a christening or the afters of a christening, an event that like 60 people were being invited to. And the day before I decided I'd go and get a COVID test and I went and got it and it came back positive the next day. Um, and then that day that I got the positive result, I had the worst headache I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah. I'm not somebody who gets migraines or anything like the only headache I would ever really get is from a hangover. And then at least I know what it's from. But I was sitting there. I had a headache that was so severe. I was basically writing my will. I was like, Wait, who will I give my savings to? Maybe my nephews and nieces are distributed equally. Although, will that cause a fight in the family? I'm not sure. <laughs> you could just sign it over to me. <laughs> I could, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're on a 0.25% retainer. I told you that. Oh, uh, right, yeah. yeah. Not 25%, 0.25. But uh, yeah, I was, I was really sick. And then that lasted for a few days, and then I got better. And I, I got the... Well, one, Monday was a bank holiday in Ireland th- of that week, but I got the remaining four days off work and I needed them to get better. Yeah. And then I'm, I, I, I'm fine now. But yeah, during that time, I realized I couldn't smell anything. And um, I was like, I had been eating for the last couple of days, but I was eating a sandwich and I realized I actually can't taste this either. And I knew, I knew that was one of the symptoms, but it hadn't really occurred to me. Like I was eating just for functional reasons. I was eating stuff that I could eat in my room because I had to self-isolate in my bedroom. So I was trying to eat things which didn't involve me having to go into the kitchen. And I realized I couldn't really taste what I was eating. And I've only regained my taste in the last couple of days. Um, so that was the worst, one of the worst parts of it because there was no enjoyment to be had from having yeah, food. I can't um, imagine, yeah. But I, but I had like um, an Indian takeaway a couple of nights ago and I could taste that. And then I've had um, a couple of things recently like the, all the last couple of meals i've had i've definitely been able to taste them so probably it's, tastes so good now it fucking does yeah it really yeah. does <laughs> i had a, i had a bagel today i had like um tomato relish brie smoked turkey lettuce uh, and uh, sm- uh sun-dried tomatoes on it and i was eating it wow. and i was like this is fucking delicious and i enjoyed Damn. every single morsel of it wow it's the little things you know mm. gotta appreciate it really is makes, makes you appreciate a bit more Yep. And I appreciate you doing the third episode in our series of Senjutsu, to use a horrendous segue there. (laughs) (laughs) Right right back at (laughs) you. In keeping with our terrible segues from previous episodes. Uh, And you're drinking actually a Japanese beer there. uh, I am. Coincidentally. Intentional. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a Sapporo. All right. Um, Well, that's fair enough. Uh, 
coincidental Japanese beer. Um, and I'm uh, having a Captain Morgan's and Coke Zero here, actually. <laughs> Coke no. Zero because I got more Coke for the same amount of money as I would have done if I bought regular Coke. So I went for that. So here we are. Right. So actually, it, it, this is interesting. Up until this point, we've covered all of the songs from disc one of the right, two CD yeah. set. I noticed that today, too. Yeah. So we're on to disc two now, and we're starting with the song Darkest Hour, which is probably one of the songs I would say has made a lot of the headlines with the reviews, with people's own individual opinions on this album. And it is certainly one of the three or four songs that's spoken about more so, I'd say, than than the rest of the album, in, in my experience from reading and seeing and, and listening to people. So really? um, what are your initial thoughts on Darkest Hour? It's it's unlike anything that we're kind of used to, right? Like it's kind of like a power ballad. I, I'm, what do you think? Take, I'm going to take issue with the term power ballad, which I've seen bandied around a lot in relation to this song. And to me, power ballad is like Boston more than a feeling journey. Don't stop believing. White okay. snake. Here I go again. This song right. is not a power ballad, in my Agreed. opinion. Yeah. In my opinion, if I stuck on a CD now of the greatest power ballads of all time, I'd be hearing things like Bonnie Tyler, Meatloaf, the aforementioned three songs. Yep. This is not a power ballad to me. Uh, this is simply a ballad, ballad as in yeah. a very melodic song, maybe slower in pace, not a hard rocking song, something you can sing along to, where the melody is the selling point and the melody stands out above all else. I would just say that's a ballad. I wouldn't say it's a power ballad. Power ballad to me insinuates kind of cheap subject matter, uh, uh, cheesy 80s vibes, kind of poor lyrics and nonsense uh, content. But it's really, really catchy. Whereas this is not that at all. This is a deep, meaningful song with deep, meaningful lyrics. It's about an actual subject. It's to do with war and politics. Um, So to me, it's not a parabola. And sorry, I'm not directing that at you. I'm directing it in general at the the people who have said that this is a parabola and with whom I disagree. So that's that's my initial point there. That's fair. I think I would agree with that. I think I would would say the term parabola only because it's Iron Maiden and they don't typically delve into ballads very, very much. Yeah. So it's kind of just, and it, it is kind of powerful. <laughs> in, for, a ballad, for, in a in a balladic for, sense. In a ballad, yeah. <laughs> 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 right. So in that sense, in the balladic sense, it's it's powerful. Okay. All right. Well, look, we'll let you get away with that. But yeah, like the first things you notice, obviously, are, are the waves, the ocean, um, a nice little riff there at the start, which reminds me of Passchendaele a bit, but I'm jumping right, ahead yeah, here. I had, that, I had that note as well, Passchendaele. Mm. But obviously um, the title is in reference to Winston Churchill. I think that's commonly accepted that the song is about him, uh, perhaps even a diary entry of, of Winston Churchill, uh, him speaking and being the protagonist of the song. Uh, and obviously there was a film back in 2017 starring Gary Oldman as Win- Winston Churchill called Darkest Hour. So um it's also, um, I think it's a, a misattributed quote to one of his speeches. Uh, I don't think he actually said the phrase darkest hour at any point during his speeches, but he did say. Um, black dog. He certainly, <laughs> yeah, he certainly said black dog. Um, yeah. But anyway, okay, so let's uh, let's have a wee listen to that uh, little riff that comes in there at the start because it's it's nice and different, but but in some ways reminiscent of, um, of Passchendaele, I will say, just in the broken kind of nature of it. Can I throw in a little caveat there? You, you first? can. So we had the last episode that we did was what, three weeks ago? 
Yes. Or, or even four weeks ago. It was a while back. I'll tell you when it was. It was the 11th of October. My notes are from. Uh, okay. Right. So and now we're November 5th. Yeah. So Guy Fox. I, I had done my preparation for this song back then, and I mm. haven't listened to it since until about half an hour ago when I listened mm. to it. So I'm kind of, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't listened to Senjutsu much in the last month or so yeah. until the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah me neither, actually. I, I gave myself a long break from it. But it's it, going back into these last four songs now, it's awesome again. Like, I just feel that rush again, you know? Like, I don't know. I just love, I love taking a few, a few weeks or a few months off, listen to Maiden, and then you can just jump right back in and it gives you that, that same kind of emotion, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, oh, same here. And I actually think, and some people might think this is uh, sacrilege or heresy, but um, I think with Iron Maiden, less is more. Yeah. And I find I enjoy the music more when I listen to it less because For each sure. time then that I do listen to it, it's more impactful. And I don't even know if that's a word, but it's something people it say is. in 2020. Is it though? Is it? Is it a word? It is, I promise you. <laughs> impactful. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm 47% embarrassed that I even said it, but um. Maybe it's a word. Forty-seven percent. Forty-seven percent. Yeah. So yeah. you're less than less than fifty. Less than fifty. Yeah. So like I, I, which is indeed a word. <laughs> okay, but I mean, like that's like people who use impact as a verb. How is that going to impact you? And I say, well, it's not going to because that's a fucking noun. <laughs> <laughs> or like you're being impacted, like a like cr- crushed into a cube. Yeah. <laughs> It's not going to impact me because you're you're using a noun as a verb, you son of a bitch. Uh, no, um, <laughs> no. Uh, what am I talking about here? I've lost my train of thought. I don't know. Is it about my cube? Your cube? <laughs> Never mind. Simpsons quote. All right. Okay. It sounds vaguely familiar. It sounds forty-seven percent familiar, but I don't get it. Okay. Go on. T- tell me what it is. Go on. Oh, it's when um, Homer is. Mr. Burns's assistant when Mr. Smithers goes away and then he's like his car has been impounded. Oh yeah. Your car has been crushed into a cube. <laughs> then somebody calls and he's like, is it about my cube? <laughs> yes, I, I do remember that now actually. Yeah. Very good. Deep, deep cut there. Uh, yeah. Simpson's reference. No, all right, yeah. So we we open the song. Let's let's listen to the yes, start of the let's song. Let's do that. Yeah. There it is. Waves, splashing, seagulls. Seagulls, yep. Seagulls, seagulling. Yeah, so this kind of broken, I don't know why I'm saying broken, but that's how it sounds to me. Riff kind of reminds me of Passchendaele. Yeah. They're like coming home a little bit. Coming home, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. Haven't listened to that in a long time, to be honest, so. We haven't commented on the synths um, No much, But the synths are powerful They are Yeah they are They're certainly present here And they're worth noting But yeah that's a nice little riff there Really nice Very Adrian Unlike a lot of riffs on this album I think it builds quite nicely into the song And I think some of the opening riffs on this album are are almost redundant in that they don't add to the song necessarily other than to lengthen it 
but I do think this one is good and relevant and important. Yeah. And we'll get to that it's a bit a, later. I have some notes. It's a nice build up to the, the opening verse. Yeah. Um, so, we're looking at the lyrics here. Um, I just have the, the book that here in front of me. We buried our sons. We turned and fled. Now growing old, the glorious dead. But we came back because one man said, Churchill, now on the beaches, the blood runs red. As you mentioned there, he's referencing, we buried our sons, Dunkirk. Um, yeah. And then now on the beaches is uh, the D-Day Normandy landings. Um, and uh, those are kind of historical events that are well known, uh, even to people who don't really pay too much close attention to history. But they're often made into films. I mean, uh, the Medal of Honor series of video games. um had a whole uh, whole game that was like the the Dunkirk kind of um, episode, like and I like um, yeah. This is kind of like it, there's no mystery to this song. Like so, the other songs on um, Senjutsu, I found it difficult to to determine what they're about lyrically, but this is kind of wearing it on its sleeve. There, it's it's telling you exactly what it's about from the get go. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a lot of war theme on this album uh, but this one's very specific in that there's obviously about world war ii and churchill and um, yeah like those many many films and yeah. video games like you mentioned like, yeah it's very well known so um i'm gonna put it at 130 here and just play this So I've said at this point, the song kind of turns into Winston Churchill's diary. Yeah. He's saying, I faced them down, the only one. I stood alone and warned the day would come, but they were wrong. Appeasers, everyone, and not for the last time, we st- we all stand alone. And from listening to Uncle Steve's podcast, which had Andrew Withnall on it, who is an avid historian, um, I believe this line is to do with the fact that Churchill did not want to become an ally of the Nazis and instead wanted to oppose them. Uh, when this was being offered and suggested, he was adamant and in, like it, it, like individually minded in that he was like, no, absolutely not. We are not going to join up with the Nazis. In fact, we're going to oppose them. And I believe yeah. these lines reference that. Interesting. So he faced um, resistance from his own cabinet, his own his own country, and and like the Allied countries. All fa- they they wanted to ally with the nazis back then as far as i know from listening to that podcast uh i think this was what was expected of churchill at the time and he was adamantly against it wow thank goodness Uh, yeah uh, yeah actually you know now that we're looking at the lyrics now i only just now noticed that it was in the first person and i didn't make i didn't make that connection until right now that's why i'm saying it's a diary entry kind of silly but yeah. yeah Uh, because, yeah, cool. yeah, because a lot of the stuff that Steve and uh, even Bruce writes sometimes, and this is obviously Bruce writing the lyrics here, is written in a kind of um, 
it's sometimes it's second person, sometimes it's a narration, so it's third person. Uh, and Steve especially writes stuff in the his kind of Yoda esque uh, lyrics where you can't even tell the tense or the person that it's written in. <laughs> Break a. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a minute we'll uh, get to that. or a few minutes um, or an hour and a half but uh, yeah, yeah this is very much specifically in the, ter- the first person I faced them down the only one I yeah. alone uh, and it, it's nice to see that simplicity in the lyrics on this album in particular because the lyrics aren't very simple in a lot of these songs and it's it's quite difficult to get a grasp on some of them I found but this is very much specifically uh, I reckon Winston Churchill uh, written by Bruce, uh, reading from his diary, his fictitious diary that never existed. Uh, <laughs> there yeah, you go. Yeah. And good thing he did stand up, right? Like, I, I've done some reading and listening to, and I don't know, watching movies or podcasts or whatever that talk about the Nazis and yeah. how oh, they, they were a terrible slowly, bunch of lads. But but it also was like, if you were part of that let's say the secret service or um the german if if you were part of that society at that time it didn't seem like it it sort of slowly descended into um the authoritarian regime and tyranny it happened so slowly Mm. so it's good that we had these people to kind of oppose that and stand up for what is right and like, thank goodness Churchill took the lead, the the lead on this, I guess. And yeah, it's, it seemed like it seemed like many were kind of just willing to let it just happen. Mm. I mean, you could make you could like appeasers. They were all appeasers. Everyone. You could yeah. draw parallels to things that have happened in the recent political climate. Right. Right. Yeah. Now it's very fashionable to refer to anybody who doesn't sit in the realm of your beliefs as a Nazi. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not saying the, uh, not uh, people wearing masks. <laughs> the, yeah. the rules of like, you must wear masks and be vaccinated. No, but, they're not but, Nazis. But what I'm saying <laughs> is that, um, in, in some recent political, um, offices, I, I suppose have been, occupied by those who had they or will they if they do continue to get their way and continue to reign uh could be the start of a slow descent into right into tyranny um yeah. if you will if you will without me putting too fine a point on it and i don't really want to veer off into talking about modern politics either right um yeah. but there are certainly parallels between that and what's going on this in this day Definitely. and age um the line that that stands out and that many people have spoken about is uh, "My black dog will have its day," um, and, and sorry, and my black dog has its day. Sorry, and I, from from what I've learned in in recent uh, months is that that was uh, Winston Churchill's name for his depression. Uh, that's what he yeah. referred to it as. And I always wondered um, what that Led Zeppelin song "Black Dog" was about. But uh, looking at the lyrics of that, it doesn't seem to be about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> there's okay. a famous Led Zeppelin song called Black Dog a famous riff um, but it certainly yeah. doesn't seem to be about depression I, I reviewed the lyrics there recently just to see oh, interesting. Um, yeah. but yeah so like uh, not only was Churchill like leading uh, Great Britain at the time of World War II and making those tough decisions he was also plagued by depression uh, and he was a, a raving alcoholic as well right <laughs> so, yeah, kind of being so, an easy task to do all yeah. of that like 
yeah so like i guess a lot of people criticized him because he wasn't perfect and he was definitely an alcoholic and kind of was misogynistic and all that like was rightly condemned for a lot of his behaviors but i guess the the part that people will maybe give him a pass on some of those bad behaviors is he he was the one that had the the backbone to stand up for and against the nazis yeah. and against these barbarians as it says here in the lyrics barbarians indeed uh, i i I noticed the reference to Lord of the Rings, uh, the same sentence actually where he's talking about his black dog. He said, and my black dog has its day for six long years. You shall not pass. And I know even though uh, I'm a non-fan really of Lord of the Rings, I know that is a reference to Lord of the Rings. So that's interesting to throw in there with World War II history. Nice juxtaposition of fantasy nice. and reality there. Well done, Bruce. Yeah. Uh, I wonder sometimes too, like people who are writing these lyrics, just like get a little kick out of things like that. Um, we, we had, um, during the coronavirus pandemic, we had a, a Taoiseach, which is essentially the Prime Minister of Ireland. And um, around the start of the pandemic, he was giving all these motivational speeches to the general public on, on our main television station over here. What, what about tourism slogans? <laughs> no, he didn't give any of those. But uh, clearly his speech, speech writers were having a laugh and taking the piss because he was coming out with quotes from Game of Thrones and Terminator 2 and stuff. Oh, nice. it's really funny so one of the things he said was there is no fate but what we make for ourselves which is a direct quote from terminator 2 from uh from sarah connor linda hamilton's character and um, so i just thought like it was quite funny like somebody in his office or a speechwriter was having a laugh i don't even know if yeah, he realized I wonder, it uh, i wonder if he did that on purpose or it was just i like, don't well, he, he certainly wasn't writing his own speeches i would yeah. guarantee that um and somebody who was writing them was having a fucking giggle. And I was watching the the news like live as he was giving a speech and I was texting people going, fucking Terminator 2. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's funny. But I, I wonder, sorry, what my, my main point was there, uh, throwing in little references to things that you like, like Lord of the Rings and stuff. I wonder, do like Bruce and, and people like that get a little kick out of that? I'm guessing they do. Probably, yeah. Um, and then there's a reference to um, like <coughs> fantasy again where he's like merlin's at the gates so he's already referenced you shall not pass which i think was like a wizard in lord of the rings and then he's talking about merlin who's obviously uh, the wizard from king arthur and the knights at the round table so there's a lot of fantasy kind of thrown in here and it's it's an interesting um mixture of fantasy and reality uh, i'm not exactly sure why bruce has decided to do this add wizardry into um lyrics that are a song that is about world war ii but maybe it's Maybe he's saying that Winston Churchill was a wizard. Merlin's beard. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, I, I only know that from Harry Potter. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so let's have a listen to the chorus here, which is um, what I've written down here is great singing by Bruce, extremely powerful. Yeah, I have that too. Okay, so here we go. Darkest 
So a nice little um, play. I love, I, I love that chorus. Yeah, I love it too. But like, uh, it's it's always dark before the dawn is obviously the um, the well known phrase. And Bruce has kind of twisted it here. He said before the dawn, the darkest hour, which I quite liked. Uh, really and I, nice, I love the yeah. line as well. Uh, you sowed the wind, and now you reaped the whirlwind. So yeah. he's basically saying, you've tried to fucking mess with shit, and you've made it even worse. <laughs> that well, wow. that's my take on it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool how you said that. Well, it was really inarticulate, but thanks. Yeah, no, it it, it was cool though. Um, yeah, you put, um, the, you put the emphasis on the H too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Everything takes better, but cool whip uh, <laughs> with the whirlwind. Whirlwind. Um, but uh, here's here's some interesting misheard lyrics by me. So as I was listening to this in the early days, i.e., two months ago when it came yeah. out, uh, I thought he was saying, "Here I sit in a sentimental glory." <laughs> He wasn't saying that at all. He was saying, here I stand in a serenade of glory. But um, that's what I was kind of singing to myself in the shower and other places. The shower singing is the best. It is, yeah. You come up with the best lyrics, even those that are wrong. Um, You always do your best thinking, too, I find. Oh, you think so? I'm quite quick in the shower now. I wouldn't be pricking around in there. I'd be in and out. I got the job done. Depends. It depends on... What's on the mind, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then there's a there's a reference later till Jupiter moves on. And um, I didn't actually look this up, but um, it's kind of interesting because he's kind of involving, well, he's involving history, historical fact. He's kind of playing the part of Winston Churchill by speaking in the first person. Then he's involving fantasy with references to Lord of the Rings and Merlin. And now he's kind of involving astrology, which is like, it's a, it's a great melange of different um, disciplines, different field, like areas of thought. Uh, and it's just like, it's like this melting pot of like history, fantasy uh, and astrology, just all coming in together in this song. Yeah. Uh, astrology or ast- astronomy? Astronomy. I don't know if it's astro- is astronomy is is the study of stars, isn't it? Yes. So I think okay. astrology is a study of planets. Isn't astrology the like zodiac signs and that that sort of thing? I don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, it doesn't I'm matter. Not, I'm gonna fucking but, Google it. But it's astrology. Well, I hear what you're saying. Um, like, that's pretty cool. One last burning giant. Jupiter moves on. Okay, so astrology is the type of divination that involves the forecasting of earthly and human events through the observation and interpretation of the fixed stars, the sun, the moon, and the planets. Yeah, the planets. So as Jupiter moves on, I would take yeah. that to be astrology. If you're talking about the moving of Jupiter and comparing it to human um, okay. yeah. interactions and whatever, like what, what's the relevance of Jupiter moving at all to a human, really, unless it's to do with astrology? And it's and it's burning. It's a burning giant. Uh, but like, is it till Jupiter moves on? Does that mean it's gonna die? Like the 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 lyric says, like a dying sun, one last burning giant till Jupiter moves on. Is Jupiter about to die? And then what impact does that have? I'm not sure exactly. I I, I assume somebody more astrologically minded might <laughs> might tell me what Jupiter moving on means and what that references but 
at this juncture, frankly, I don't know. Um, Maybe it's in retrograde. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on like Jupiter. Yes. Well played. That's a good segue. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a look at this solo here. That's a four minutes eleven, uh, yeah. and it's uh, it's very tasty. It's a long one. Adrian. Yeah, the assumption is it is him because he, he's down first on the, the writing credits, but also it's his type of solo, really. I think this might be one of the best solos on the album. Yeah, it starts off very melancholic, but then it builds up. It's mm. Beautiful. I think it um, it's one of the most memorable kind of. You can hear every note in it. And here we go. I think this must be Dave now. Yeah, this is Dave. I love this one too. Yeah, it's really bluesy. I, oh, I love this one. It's full of soul. There I sat in the sentimental glory. <laughs> nice. There's another solo behind that final chorus, too. You know, similar how I said in one of our previous episodes, there was oh. a song that has yes, similar uh, to writing on the wall. And yeah, it was actually and, this song. And I actually noticed the, that um, in later songs as well, since you brought it up is, do you, do you want me to play that? Do you know where it is? Sure. Yeah. Well, five thirty-five or Hold so. On a I'm just pouring myself another captain Morgan's here. I've got to refill pretty soon too. We'll do it after this song. Okay. Sure. We're nearly at the five thirty-five. Just play from here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I hear it there. Maybe it's not a solo, more a collection of licks. Exactly, yeah. Like you said last time. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. That does sit nicely in the background there, all right. Do you know what I find with that type of stuff on this album, actually? And it, it's... Um, it's common, like, uh, it's, it, like you, you can find it in a lot of those songs. It helps reduce repetition, which is one of the things Iron Maiden are always accused of doing, especially in the post-2000 era. Uh, repetitious choruses, the same melody lines, the same riffs over and over again. But I think when they add in little um, small pieces, musical things like that, it it makes the repetition less repetitious, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, and, they, and there's really... If- they have three three guitarists, so there's really no reason why they couldn't kind of intro, like add in those little flourishes, little licks here and there. Yeah, and, and like even though Bruce is singing the same chorus, it doesn't sound the same because it's musically yes. different. Yeah, and the the lyrics kind of sound a little bit different from the previous choruses. I think like it just. Bruce's voice I guess like maybe the tone I don't know if I'm 
just making that up, but it sounds a bit different than the pre- prior choruses. Fair enough. It's not something I noticed myself now, but um, yeah. I would take your word for it. Uh, okay, so that's going to kind of wrap up Darkest Hour, unless you have any final thoughts on the song. I that we- think I think that's all I got um, for that one. I think Bruce just sounds really good. And if they play this song live, I will absolutely be screaming. Just like any, if they play any song, but... Screaming in anger. Yeah. <laughs> Lost in anger. <laughs> Love in danger. Uh, okay, right. So we're going to move on. So we did 35 minutes on, there yeah. so, on Darkest Hours. So. <laughs> so, yeah, what are your thoughts on how, I don't, like the next, the next three songs are each over 10 minutes. Mm. I don't no, know if we can get through. Don't say that. Listen, <laughs> we don't need that kind high of- water. We don't need that negativity in our lives. So I'm going to revert to my notes that I took for Maiden A to Z, where I already spoke about Death of the Celts. And my opinion has changed slightly on it, but not massively. Um, What I will say, I'm going to lead into it with this, because I'd say a lot of listeners to this podcast have also listened to Maiden A to Z and have heard me speak about this song. Um, So what I will lead in... You didn't have a lot of good things to say. Yes, (laughs) right. Now... A common phrase is familiarity breeds contempt. Um, And that is true, I think, especially when it comes to being around people. If you're around a person too much, too frequently, all of their small little qualities or habits or little things they do can start to piss you off. Uh uh, And you begin to detest that (laughs) that person. <laughs> Oftentimes, it's a work colleague, uh, somebody you don't have too much of a an emotional or personal connection to, and if you have to be around them too long, familiarity certainly can breed contempt. But I found with Iron Maiden that familiarity doesn't breed contempt. Actually, it breeds the opposite, and I don't know exactly what the opposite of contempt is, but let's just say it's like appreciation or something like that. And um, because I listened to the song quite a lot in the preparation for the Maiden A to Z episode, and. I have become quite familiar with it. And as a result, it's probably one of my most listened to songs on the album because because that episode was just focused on one individual song. I wanted to have a really good grasp of it and a really good take of it on it. And um, I listened to it a lot. And in the preparation for this episode, I listened to it again. And I found as I listened to it more, I actually enjoyed it more. Rather than familiarity, breeding contempt, it bred appreciation and like as a result, I appreciate this song a lot more because I've listened to it more. And I find that with a lot of Iron Maiden, actually, um, the more you listen to it, it like digs into you and it, I don't know what it does, but it kind of affects you in this like visceral way where like you don't realize how it's achieving this, but it's like getting into your brain, getting into your mind and you find yourself liking it, even the bits you didn't used to like before. I don't know if you agree with that or. All but. in your mind, <laughs> all in your head. <laughs> I absolutely agree with that. I, I feel like this song in my mind for a while was kind of like the weakest on the album and not to rank it or anything. Or you're not a big fan of rankings, but I had. That doesn't mean that you song. can't rank, by the way. Don't I, uh, worry about yeah, that. Yeah, I had this, but last night, so 
since our last episode three weeks ago, I hadn't listened to any Senjutsu until last night mm. when I had to prepare for, for these songs. And then getting into Death of the Celts again and mm. just deep diving into it, absolutely feeling that sense of appreciation. And the, the opposite of contempt would be, and I think would be adoration. Oh, very good. Just, uh, just absolutely, yeah, the way you said it, visceral, emotional, evokes like it's almost like an with this song especially it feels sort of anthemic at the start you kind of sets you up like you're on you're getting pumped up to go into battle yeah um it's a really really cool song i really and like the synths again right at the start um once once that intro builds in then you got that like kind of um, fantasy sort of sound mm. where it's like you can picture yourself like in a mountain range and like mossy kind of like battlefield and mm. like I don't know and I really love the bass guitar. like all alone in the hills with the wind in your face right right yeah right to glory <laughs> feels good to like... be proud and be part of a race yes yeah that is part of a clan to live on highlands no but like it's let's address the elephant in the room to me this like the intro sounds ex- very similar to the Clansman. Yes, yeah. you get that as well. Themes, right? Very similar themes. And but the- I will say, while I was on that episode of Maiden A to Z with Jonathan, Eric, and Carlotta, Jonathan and Carlotta actually raised a point where they said that this is almost a sequel to the Clansman in that Steve is an older man now, and he's almost talking about the aging process and how. Hey. Like the death of the Celts could be like his own death, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it could have sure. been. I mean, it could have been called the death of the clansman, but that would have just been too cheesy. That's like something that KK's priest would call it. But uh, like, and rather than call it that, he called it the death of the Celts. And after he said that, I started to look at the song in a different way. Um, you could say it's a it's a quasi sequel to the clansman, but it's from the perspective of a much older man, uh, written maybe twenty one years after the original song was written. Yeah, and uh, he's an old geezer now, Steve, and as is everybody else in the band. And um, even the, like, like, let's just have a look at the opening lyrics. Uh, the road it winds uphill all the way, ride to glory on this day. Remember now to do him so proud in God we trust. Cried out loud, is he talking to his younger self? The road is uphill, but it's fucking uphill all the time if you're in a band. Like, there are no breaks. You can't take a day off. Like, I mean, you can, but like, it's constant. It's constant music. It's constant travel. It's constant uh, media, even press. Um, Ride to glory on this day. You know, they've always had their set their stall out. Iron Maiden is everything to everybody in this band. And that's their goal is to just constantly promote and to be Iron Maiden. Remember now to do him so proud. Is he talking to his younger self? Is he talking to Steve Harris, who's 25 years old, playing in the fucking cart and horses or the Ruskin arms and Uh, saying, don't don't fail that man who had the vision at the time. Don't fail him. In God we trust, cried out loud. Don't know about that line, to be honest. But um, So uh, when when I hear, when he says the word him, I I think he's talking about God. Because the next line remember now to do him so proud. Maybe it's a capital H there. And I don't know how religious Steve it's, is. It's not a capital H actually in the, in the no, lyrics. I mean, it's right. all capitals, um, but like, 
Um, but like the next line says in God, we trust. So in my mind, it sounds like he's talking to talking about God, but maybe he's also kind of making that sort of um, parallel in that, like God is within all of us. Would you, would you say, would you say something like remember to do him so proud in reference to God, remember to do God so proud. That seems Cheesy, I don't know, uh, but it doesn't, it seems like, remember to do himself, I don't know, it seems like. I, I only think that because the very next line, he says God. Yes, but then if if the last line were about God, then wouldn't he say him again in the following line, instead of changing him to God? Hmm. Or would he have said, remember now to do God so proud, in him we trust, cry it out loud. Uh, uh, this doesn't sound as, doesn't sound as good. Like in yeah. God do we trust sounds. Do you think yeah. Steve Harris believes in God? I I don't know. I, I think based on based on his lyrics, he has a lot of references to religion and usually they're to do with war. Mm. And you know, fighting in God's name and all that. And there's more references to God in the next two songs too. Yeah. So I don't know. I think maybe he's got some some uh, beliefs or I don't know. I wonder. I wonder. Um, Interesting. Anyway, okay. So we're saying then the next line <laughs> redeem myself. So I had to look up what salve meant. Um, yeah, an ointment used to promote the yeah. healing of skin or as protection. <laughs> I don't think that's it. The second definition is, seems more realistic. It's to soothe wounded yes. pride or one's conscience. So redeem his wounded pride or his conscience. That seems more fitting in this instance. I feel like this song is a little, a little bit repetitive. Like each verse kind of sounds the same, but it works because it kind of has like a tribal quality. Yeah. I kind of feel like you, you're in like a, a pub or something and they're telling a story and it's just like a uplifting mm. melody and it kind of repeats and it's just like, I don't know. It works repetitive, but it's in a good way. I don't know. Fill sure. your, I have the note that I have is fill your salve with positive thoughts. <laughs> you wrote that's, fill your salve with positive thoughts. That's the, I just, well, cause I got, I, I felt positive thoughts when I was listening to, the opening melodies. And then when it started into the, you know, you're riding to glory, um, you know, just, I don't know. That's just, right. uh, for some reason I had that. Let's have a wee listen <laughs> to the, the intro here. So right there, like that's giving me Clansman vibes immediately. For sure. But it can't not be deliberate. That's what I think. Like he's not, that, he's, uh, he's not oblivious to the fact that that song sounds very similar to the Clansman. The synths. Yeah. So the synths don't bother me that much. I mean, I, I know I like there's it. been a I lot like of press it. about the synths, but like they don't I bother me at all. It. Bass guitar here, very simple. This is even more um, clans money. 
Okay, let's pause it there. So, yeah, to me, the intro was quite clansman-y. Um, it's not bad. Since are, are are actually welcome in in my opinion. Um, I think it adds to the ambiance. Yeah. Of the kind of just, it makes it sound sound kind of like fantasy, sort of like I said before, like in a battlefield. Personally, I love when it gets heavy and Bruce starts singing Lord Above. Um, so let's have a listen to that piece there. It's 222. Right. Up until now, it's just like Nico doing the hi-hat. It's, mm. And now like the drums kick in and... Uh, All right. So um, again, I mean, Lord above my spirit says, death is not proud, no more, no less. Power of my soul will be free. Deliver us on to victory. I suppose if you're if you're making a stretch, you could still say that Steve is talking about his own death there. Um, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe he's talking about the Celt or the clansman uh, who's aged now. And he's a, he's a different man than he was back in 1998. Yeah. He's praying to God again, um, Lord above, you know, and give it your all, kind of put it out, put it all out on the battlefield, no more, no less. Deliver yeah, um, to, to be honest, I'm thinking that just in, in the, we had a little break there, but like uh, I'm thinking that Steve definitely does believe in God because he wrote the song Judgment of Heaven, um, which has the line, oh, yeah. all of my life I have believed judgment of heaven is waiting for me so if that's not a, a statement of somebody who definitely believes in god although that was uh 26 years ago so who knows what he believes these days but um there are certainly a lot of references to god lord etc in his music in his lyrics um definitely so, a lot of uh, parallels with war too yeah um, absolutely holy, holy wars yes certainly and like uh, do you know what i actually there are parts of the song that I really like. Um, just to jump in, when uh, maybe just to when you're saying that he's kind of looking back at his younger days, maybe when he wrote the Klansman, when he's in the next verse, when he says, "Dreaming of days of our youth again," <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of like he's doing a, a bit of a flashback, sort of to back in those days definitely yeah i mean you could definitely read it in read that into it and uh, again i will credit jonathan from maiden z for and carlotta as well for changing my thought process on on the lyrics of this song because i really didn't have any um insight or or i didn't have a true reading of, of the lyrics of this but i can certainly accept the idea that maybe it's either the the protagonist from the clansman has aged and this is kind of a later I'm going to say diary entry again <laughs> but uh, or also or, or else it's Steve himself who has aged and he's looking back through the kind of under the guise of the the protagonist in this song on his career and he's just looking really at his own mortality yeah 
I per- I love the, the part where he says, wayward thunder over rain, giving me time to think again, send to their graves on this day, silent where the battle dead lay. Just paints a nice picture, I think. Definitely. You have to assume that the mortality of the band has been praying or playing, sorry, on the minds of all of the members. Writing your 17th album when you're in your 60s must be, well, firstly, you, I'd say they're probably just shocked that they've got this far. But secondly, they must be thinking this really at this stage now, come on now, this has to be the last one. Yeah. And, and they've seen, they've like talking about mortality. Hopefully and, not. No, I, I know. But like, I'm just trying to put myself into their mindset. Yeah. Like Bruce with his cancer, Nico with his general being Oldness. 70. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you'd have to assume that the, the mortality of Iron Maiden must be playing on the minds of all of the members now and like booking tours. And like, I know Rod Smallwood likes to plan five years in advance and I'm sure he has planned up to 2027. Like, you know, but I mean, at, at, you have to assume that at some stage, well, so you don't even have to assume at some stage, this is going to end. Yes. And I, I would think you have to assume that the members of the band have never been more aware of this than they are now especially over the last couple of years when it's like, they're not getting any younger and the legacy yeah. tour has kind of just been dragging and now it's going to play another leg next year, even though they could be doing a new album tour. Yeah. But then, then there's lines like immortal for he will live evermore. Is that like, again, it's I'm reaching here, but it's like, it's that like Iron Maiden will live forevermore. Oh, the Celt, maybe. the clansman will live forevermore. I liked your uh, your comments on that. You 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 sort of ripped on that line a little bit. Yeah, Immortal I'm, I'm, for you to live evermore. I'm trying to be more generous this time around because you yeah. know there's no point in just repeating the same stuff. But also, I've I've reflected on that, and I'm I'm trying to lend more credence to these lyrics than I did previously, and and just give them uh, a fair a fair a fair shot. <laughs> yeah, you know what the line the line when he says, "I will live on in rebirth again." <laughs> Yeah. Do you think what does that mean that he he or whatever this is, maybe it's the band, I will live on in rebirth. Does that mean it's just kind of immortal like they'll live on forever or like maybe it'll reincarnate or go to some sort of afterlife? And I guess that kind of leads into the next song, Meet Me in Afterlife. Yeah. Uh, Possibly, I don't know. Possibly. I think the rebirth. What do you think? What do you make of that line? I will live on in rebirth again. Uh, I don't. I don't really know exactly. Like as as I said on the Maiden A to Z episode, I'm, I'm not like these lyrics have kind of thrown me a bit, and I, I'm kind of borrowing Jonathan's take on them a bit to try and make sense of them. But um, I will live on in rebirth again. Again, if you're if you're if if you're making a huge stretch here, you could say that maybe he's talking about the idea that Iron Maiden will live forever regardless of whether or not the members of the band are still alive or with us or if the band is even still active right yeah and you know what i i made uh you know i I realized last night when i was doing another sort of deep dive on the lyrics the living evermore being immortal if you look at the belshazzar's feast poster yes it says live forever yeah like wow that's really cool there's a lot of like recurring themes on this album which is that's true and and that didn't really tie in with anything else to do with belshazzar's feast uh 
And I know people read into that massively at the time. They were thinking the word live was actually live and they were going to release a live box set and all this type of shit. Um, but yeah, that that phrase doesn't really tie in with the whole writing on the wall story, the Belshazzar's Feast theme. Um, but yeah, it was there, prominently written. Um, yeah. Heaven or Hell as well was another one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But when he says, come to me now, embrace it, my friend, it's kind of like realizing, you know, fuck it. I'm going to die anyway, so may as well give it your all and have fun and kind of just carpe diem sort of. You know, sorry for that terrible phrasing but <laughs> <laughs> carpe diem baby yeah yeah that was that was bad apologize but yeah no it's all right uh yeah the band saxon actually released a song called carpe diem there recently oh, yeah well. yeah uh, it wasn't very good i didn't think but anyway but, but yeah um, i like that line come to me now embrace it my friend he kind of realizes that he's he might be dying but it's just sort of you know have no fear yeah have no fear a warrior celt has no fear Okay, so like we focused a lot on the lyrics here. It's kind of, it's not necessarily definitively about anything like as much as Darkest Hour is. Like there's nothing personally for me that I can hang my hat on and go, it's definitely about that. Um, although some of the best lyrics are ambiguous. Um, Stairway to Heaven, for example. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and then you play it backwards and it's, it becomes satanic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've sacrificed many as a child to backwards playings of Stairway to Heaven. Uh, <laughs> Sweet you, Satan. You laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you uh, laugh. Let's, let's talk about some of the instrumental passages to this. So For sure. This, for I, I don't want to really repeat myself on things I've said before, so I, I'd like your take on, on some of the instrumental passages of Death of the okay. Celts. Um, so maybe let's so the first solo is Adrian around 418 I have here. Cool. Um, and then after that, okay, well, let's play the solo first and then. All right, all right. 418, you said? 418, yeah. Yeah. Cool solo. I I uh I really like the next instrumental bit starting around 5:13 where the when Steve has that bass line. Yeah. I just I feel like he's just having so much fun playing that bass line. Uh, like I mean I said on Made Night to Z as well that that was pure Thin Lizzy and it completely is. I yeah. don't know. Have you listened to Thin Lizzy much? Um, I, I heard when they played that, uh, was it, what was the song Emerald? Emerald. Yeah. Well, this, yeah. this is basically lifted from Emerald, I think. Right. Or, I just, I love that bass line. It's just so much fun. You can, or, you can tell Steve is having fun playing it. Yeah. Em- Emerald or Black Rose. Um, those two songs are, I think they're heavily reflected in, in Death of the Celts. And I think Steve must've been doing a bit of a Tin Lizzy binge, uh, probably maybe, maybe can, he was I, listening to Lizzie A to Z or something like that at the time <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, here we go hear, yeah I can hear that uh, yeah yeah I just love that it sounds so cool 
by the way, as we speak here, I have Spotify open in front of me and I can see what all of my Spotify friends are listening to uh, or people I follow. And just as a matter of interest, Nesbitt, as we speak, is listening to Last Christmas by Huam. <laughs> we have to get him on to this call. And get us we going. caught you, Nesbitt. <laughs> Wait, what was, what was the uh, artist again? Huam. Huam? Huam. <laughs> How do you spell that? W H H H H A M. Is that the last Christmas? I gave, gave you my heart. heart. The, very the very next, next day, day, you gave, gave it away. away. <laughs> this year, to save me from tears, Come on, I'll give it to someone, someone special. special. <laughs> yeah, we caught you, Nesbitt. Caught you in the act. Great, great song. Oh, no, sorry. Now he's listening to Santa Tell Me by Ariana Grande. Oh, okay. I, I, I have doubts that it's actually Nesbitt. <laughs> I don't have doubts. I have strong feelings that it is him. Okay. Yeah, he's a big Ariana Grande fan. Maybe he doesn't even like Josh. Iron Maiden. Maybe he's with Josh. I know he's a big Ariana Grande fan. I think he just likes... I think he just fancies her. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, she's like totally hot. Oh, uh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway. The next instrumental bit that I really dig, um, around 612, it kind of turns into a kind of atmospheric buildup to, uh, to the next solo. Yeah, and then there's Yannick's solo at 6.54. And then Dave right after, and then Adrian right after. So we got tri- triple threat. This kind of saves us from the the Ken Lizzy part, but fine. Um, we're kind of brought back into a maiden type of sound here. Yeah, yeah. Back into a kind of a riff there, um, yeah. So like, I get, <clears throat> excuse me, looking at this song with um, with new eyes, uh, 
that doesn't none of that makes any sense. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, if you're looking at it, I guess yeah. you can look at music, can you? Well, it's, around, if, if it's written around, on a page. Around eight oh three, the mood sort of changes. It goes kind of back down, and then the synths come back in again. That's very kind of it complements the sound. Yeah. Well, sorry. What I was going to say before that, upset looking at this with new eyes or listening with new ears, is uh, I, I appreciate the song more than I did a couple of weeks ago. Um, again, familiarity breeds. What did you say? Not um, adoration. Adoration. Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't quite say I adore the song, but I certainly like it more than I used to. So eight oh three years now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is fucking. X Factor. Love this part. Yeah, absolutely X Factor. Synths come back in. All right, mortal for he will live evermore. Um, yeah, just yes. to, just to uh, to build on what you were saying and uh, looking on it with new eyes. <laughs> when I was reviewing or going a deep dive into the songs last night, I had mo- the most fun with this song. I don't, I don't know. And then I woke up this morning, and I had Death of the Celts in my head mm. so I was like i think that that says something it, it's uh you, you said in in the maiden a to z episode that there wasn't many hooks no but like i i i think i disagree with that there's a lot there's a few really nice hooks in this song uh and i don't know i don't know what part of it that would kind of hook me in but it's almost like each he, like uh, the instrumental is really really cool and there's a lot of like the choruses i don't i don't know i say choruses as they're plural but i don't i don't really know what <laughs> what this what the chorus <laughs> is in the song i guess it's the da yeah oh, yeah is that the chorus i don't know um but it, and then when it's uh around 8 48 it kind of like chugs a little bit and then it goes back into the opening melody kind of reminds me of for the greater good of God at the end. Mm. And then they do like one more verse. I think, do you know what? The, I, yeah, I think, it, I think it could have ended there though. I'm not certain that there's a need for the intro yeah. again because they do this on the last three songs. It's, it's very, yeah, it's very typical of uh, a post reunion yeah. Harris composition. Like he literally does, not literally, sorry, there's no need for that word. He does this on the last three songs in Death of the Celts, Departure, and Hell on Earth. He plays yeah, the, the, the intro. intro as the outro. Yeah, and it's it's not necessary every time. Sometimes it's I think it's it's worthwhile, but other times I think it's like right for just three adding consecutive. Yeah, adding an extra minute and thirty seconds, or in, in this case, I think it's two minutes. In the, the parchment, uh, actually, no hell. On no, Earth, it's one minute. It sorry. adds in hell on earth. It adds like an extra 
two or three minutes to the whole song. Like yeah, the it's, outro. it's, I don't know, like it could have ended just there at the end of that. We're like, yeah, do, do, agree, do, agree. Do. Uh, but, but I do, en- I do like the ending when it's kind of cinematic came to witness the death of the cow. Yeah. I know. Was look, it? look, I'm not like, I'm not furious about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> It, it kind of it and, and some some people are some people are furious about it. Have you seen the comments? <laughs> I had a yeah, guy send me a, a lot, there's a I, lot of hate. I had a guy reason. send me a edited version of uh, Parchment Death of the Celts and Hell on Earth. Um, uh, and like that's completely grand. And 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 they I could see his point. Like a shout out to James there. He knows who he is. Yeah, from a uh, um, Steel Tormentor. Um, but um. Some people are just very angry about the length of Iron Maiden songs, and I'm—I wouldn't put myself in that bracket. But no, what I, I will say, what I will, and I like maybe—I don't think James is angry about them, but like he certainly is upset, critical. upset, critical, and doesn't really like the lengthier songs, and would prefer if they were a lot shorter. Let's say I can uh, understand. Yeah, it's not for the casual listener. Yeah, um, but um, I don't have this as as strong um a dislike for the lengthier songs but i can say that in some cases i think maybe those outros especially are not really necessary i yeah i do i do kind of like this one because it's where like the ending where it says falling now or god can't explain so falling now is he falling into hell Bidding farewell, a lifeline again. He's falling into the parchment. <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. Following, following those who came from hell. I think that's a pretty cool line. I don't know. It, it ah, look, I mean, reminds like, uh, me of for the greater good of God, I guess, like when he comes back in and does that last little verse at the end. What I will then, say about this is at least in this outro, there are new lyrics and fresh lyrics. Like it's not just the same instrumental passage being played over, which they have done in other songs. <laughs> so yeah, I, like I, I'll give them their, their due here. Like they're, yeah. it wasn't completely redundant this, this outro. Um, and the, and I think that last line came to witness the death of the Celts. Was that his only purpose in life was to come and to witness the death? I don't know that, that was my kind of last. It, de- it depends on who you think the protagonist of the song is. Is it the Celt? Is it the clansman? Is it Steve Harris? Or is it a third party sort of observer now? It's like the, the, the all seeing eye. Yeah, maybe it's some, I don't know. Yeah, seeing eye, I mean, an angel. I, I, don't, I don't think there's consistency in the narrative of this song, to be perfectly honest. So, this one gave me, it made me think. It made me sit back and think more and that like when I started to dig in more into the lyrics and then I don't know, like I just had a much deeper appreciation for the song. Um, I will say, end, I will say I like it more than I did a few weeks ago. I mean, that's, that's kind of the best I can do here. Yeah. Um, but as I said on, on the Maiden Night to Said podcast, it's a lot better than a lot of Iron Maiden songs. Uh, it's certainly not even in the conversation of first Iron Maiden songs. It just happens to be, in my opinion, the weakest song on this album. That's all. I don't know. I would put it probably in the top, the top seven of this top album. Seven out of ten. <laughs> Are you generous bastard? <laughs> and then at the at the end, it 
kind of repeats the intro melody, but a little bit slower and kind of broodier. I kind so of like sorry, that. like I mean, seeing as like you're you're giving me this ammunition now, if that's in the top seven, what's in the bottom three? It's a very good question. I would I think probably Days of Future Past, even though I do really like that song. Right. Uh, probably Stratego, even though I really like that song. You absolute um, heathen! <laughs> I know. I love. I love this song, oh, but but I I I have a hard time placing this song below any of those two songs. So maybe it's in the top eight. <laughs> All right, the top eight out of ten, <laughs> or you could say the bottom three. You might say <laughs> no, no, gotta go top eight. <laughs> All right, okay, right. So we're moving on to the parchment. This is track nine out of ten on. Wow, we're getting there. Iron uh, Maiden. What's their time on Senjutsu. the recording right now? Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is going to be seventeen hours long. Don't worry about that. Uh, yeah. I'm giving Uncle Steve a run for his money here. Seventeen hours. We got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I'll, I'll tell you what the time is. It's a. Uh, it's only an hour and 23 minutes. Jesus. Oh, okay. Like, this is, and you, this can, is a fucking, you can cut out, you can cut out a lot of it's a fart in the wind compared to Uncle yeah. Steve's podcast. But we do have, I think, 23 minutes of music to get through. So yeah. all right. Okay, look, we're gonna get back into it now. We're gonna yes, talk about the parchment. Yep. All right, so the next song is The Parchment, track nine of ten on this we're, very, very we're long getting there. album. We are getting there. Um, before I ask you anything I'm just going to play the intro here uh, of the part longest song on the album the synths again synths yeah prominent This goes on for a bit. I'm just going to pause yeah, it here. Yeah. So what I've written here is quiet, bassy intro, unremarkable. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't do anything for me, really, to be honest. You know what? With this song, it um, a lot of people were immediately saying that this was their favorite song from what I heard. Mm. And then I, I kind of this uh, i don't know i didn't i didn't feel it right away and then i i vocalized that like i told chelsea about that i'm like uh and then I, I, well i said parchment like i i don't know i kind of don't get the hype about this song mm. but then i played the song again and then i'm like ah oh, the song's so good and then like i don't know it's when it starts up the, the intro i can kind of get why people ridicule the the post reunions compositions, how like the intros are unnecessarily long, like this kind of, mm. I, I feel I could agree with that. It's a bit unnecessarily long. Yeah. Uh, but it really does kind of set up the, the mood. And then, and then when it kicks in at around 110 and it gets pretty loud and starts kind of, yeah. it's really cinematic. I think it's a good word to describe it. Oh yeah. 
I believe, like, trust me, I was only talking about the intro there when I said unremarkable. Yeah. Uh, by, by, by the way, it's interesting to me that you were saying this stuff to Chelsea. So, like, is she invested in this album or are you just <laughs> talking shit at her and she doesn't um, care? Well, she, she, um, she will kind of make fun of me because I'll say, I will say things about Iron Maiden. Like, I, I don't like this album, you know, or, or not, not that I don't like this album, but I feel like or I'll say this is kind of their weakest album. And I'm referring to like, let's say fear of the dark, mm. but then I start playing fear of the dark and I'm like, Oh, you know what? This album is actually not that bad. <laughs> mm. So that, that happens pretty often when I talk about Iron Maiden, it's kind of, I kind of flip flop like, on my opinion. What, and then, when you're talking to her about the parchment, does she care about that? Or are you just, she loves the song actually. She, um, she thinks is this like, is one this is one of her favorite songs she uh doesn't she doesn't listen to it on her own necessarily but mm. when i do play when i do play the music which is very often yeah um, she will she gets into this song more and she has mentioned that this song is one of her favorites on the album so. very good very good i was just interested because like my girlfriend isn't really interested in iron maiden but when i play songs she does enjoy them i'm always suspicious about whether or not she actually does enjoy them though it's it's kind of hard okay. to tell like if she's just saying that she likes it because it's not it's not shit but like right. you, know, you know like liking something and thinking something is not I shit are, are two yeah. very different I, things i know what you mean um but she did come with me on yeah i know she went to like five iron maiden concerts four, in yeah, two days or something. In a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and she like clearly had a lot of fun and became a fan during that time. Yeah. Well, like see Elaine would be the same. Like if I played fear of the dark or, or something like that, she'd really like it. Like, and she'd be like, that's a really good song. And even writing on the wall, she was going away singing. Can you see the writing oh, yeah. on the wall? But like at the same time, or like even when I was singing bits of Stratego, like uh, she was picking up on those and, and started singing them herself. It's yeah. undeniably like really good music. Even but, through like, but she's not going to go and listen to Stratego on her own yeah, or the writing on the wall when she's in her own house on her own time. Absolutely, yeah. So, like, to me, that that's why I always, like, and, like, she's going to come to a lot of Iron Maiden shows with me next year or, like, at least two anyway, like, and I'm kind of wow. thinking, awesome. are you going to enjoy that? Or is it she just... Must. You can't, I don't know, you can't not enjoy it, especially that cinematic show that is legacy of the beast it's so so enjoyable like when we went with chelsea went with in toronto nesbitt had two extra tickets and we were hanging out with chelsea and her friend Mm. and her friend had never even heard like she heard of iron maiden but never really Mm. knew anything of them and then she went to the show and like absolutely was amazed by it so like Mm. you have to be a pretty um, negative sort of person, I guess. If if you go to an Iron Maiden show and you don't have a good time, no, and I, I think she will enjoy it. Like, but it's it's always the kind of question in my mind. Like, um, am I forcing this on you? Um, if, yeah, maybe, but uh, yeah. Anyway, that's just me. Um, anyway, let, let's get back to the parchment. Um, yes, parchment. What a so what a poem. It's very poetic. Right, it's unremarkable such... intro. I've said, but. Yep. That is not to say that the rest of the song is not remarkable because it right. actually is, in my Extremely opinion. 
And it gets, it's get, uh, we get to a quite heavy riff here. Yeah. bit different from the intro for sure yeah i really like that it's so cinematic like having that the synths kind of set up that like the atmospheric uh, i was i was doing some deep dives into the lyrics and i know we'll we'll dive into the lyrics soon but well uh, do you know what i'm glad to hear that because i haven't got a bull's notion to use an <clears throat> irish phrase honestly yeah <laughs> And to me, it's like, it's, it's just so poetic and it's up to interpretation what he's actually talking about. The, the, do, you know, um, do you know what the issue is here with me is that there are so many lyrics and there is so much imagery within those yes. lyrics that like, it, it, it's very difficult to focus on one individual image because like within the next verse, there's another one and there's a yeah, reference to something. Yeah. And, and, and I looked up some of the references and I kind of, I, I Googled them and I, I found out what they, they meant, but like, like Tarthian skin. Yes. That's one of yep. them. I looked up um, and I can't tie them together. Uh, and, and maybe I didn't just spend enough time trying to do that, but it's like, it's an essay, like in the booklet of, of the album, it like, it starts on one page, continues on to the next page. It's like, there's a lot of lyrics for this song. Like, um, like, I'd say Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner probably has the most lyrics of any Iron Maiden song, but this song is possibly close. Like there's so many lyrics to it. Yeah. And there's no chorus, right? Similar to. Absolutely no chorus. To Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which is my favorite Iron Maiden song still is. Yeah. So let's um, talk about Parthian skin. You mentioned Parthian it there. Parthian skin. Yeah. The Parthian Empire, right? I, you probably did that research too. I did. It's a major. Iranian cult, uh, I guess, power or mm, mm. Uh, empire from ancient in ancient Iran back from like two, 200 BC to about 200 AD. Uh, yeah. So right so, around the time Jesus was born. Yeah. Uh, JC. They, they would. Yeah, JC. Shout out, shout out JC. Shout out our boy JC. <laughs> uh, so um, until we read the Parthian skin, so like they're using. And the Parthian skin, I guess, would be like the parchment, right? Like they're writing maybe their their gospel or their their rules or like they're spreading the word that mm. maybe the the battle is coming. Like yeah. maybe they're using the parchment as a kind of way to communicate to the rest of the 
the Parthian Empire. Do you know what it was interesting though? I looked up the term Parthian skin on Google and it, it brings up like Impish Wim, it brings up no direct hits. So it's like a it's a unique phrase again that's been coined in this case by Steve Harris. There's no direct hits of Parthian skin. Those two words have not been the, used in so conjunction skin, with one another. The skin, I believe, is because parchment is a writing material that's yeah. made from sheep or goats or you know their skin it's been used as a writing medium yeah yeah for 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 millennia Um, millennia very nice (laughs) yeah um so i think that's what they mean by skin it's Mm. not necessarily parthian skin yeah the skin i believe is referring to the parchment yeah no absolutely and and, and reading a bit about the parthian empire as well it, it says that they the reason uh, historians were able to find out about them at all was that the Parthians kept records by writing horizontally on strips of letter, i.e. parchment. And when archaeologists found Parthian uh, artifacts, there were plenty of examples of parchment that they had written on. So um, they kind of documented their own existence by writing on parchment. So presumably that's where this title of this song comes from and that's why they're referencing Parthian. so cool Mm. i really like how um the the way he writes the the next the first verse i don't don't know like when he says for we all to dust descend is he he's getting rid of the the first um syllable of the word before and kind of just being before we all to dust descend, before we all die, but it's just said very poetically. Heaven knows when life will end. So he's making another reference to God, you know, God to know in the mire. I actually mm. had to look up the word mire, which, so did I. which means kind of like a state of difficulty or distress. Mm. Um, and then put out the fire. I just, ah, oh, man, it's just so well written. And mire can also mean a swamp. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also I, yeah. I also looked up the word Meyer. Uh, we seem to have taken the same approach to these lyrics here. Uh, yeah. It can mean a complicated or unpleasant situation from which it is difficult to extricate, to extricate. oneself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we probably yeah. Google gave us the same result there. <laughs> Before we get to that though, um, around two seventeen, um, again. Again. again, hold on not a sec. Again. He says again, not again. No, no, nothing no, no, to do with again <laughs> or again. Uh, let me just play this clip here, and let me tell. Let you. I'm gonna let you tell me what word you hear here. Okay. Broken fears. Warning days. Warning. Warning days. Yeah, what do you hear? I hear warning as well. In the booklet with the lyrics in it, it says broken fears, warring days oh, are here again. Again. Play it, play it, yeah. I'll play it again. Play it, play it again. Play it again. Yeah, definitely Maybe warning, like, isn't it? De- warning, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. interesting that the booklet 
Mm. It's different. Uh, yeah, that's that's weird. Mm. Anyway, sorry, that was just a small thing. Yeah, I, I don't actually have the booklet yet, so um, yeah, I, I'm just going by lyrics that I that, that I found online, and it's and the the online lyrics say warning. Oh well, they're correct, obviously, and this is incorrect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I mentioned earlier, Steve's Yoda-like lyrics, and maybe people were wondering what I meant by that. But like, here's yeah, an example like backwards, of it. Backwards, yeah. For we all to dust descend. Yeah. <laughs> Who yes. speaks like that? <laughs> right. No it's one. Just, it's just so poetically written. I love how it's, it just sounds so so cool. I don't do, you, know. do you like that? I do. I do like it. For, yeah, for really we all to dust descend. Yeah, it's just a really poetic way to say when we're going to die, like we're going to. Mm. I don't know. Uh, sometimes it kind of bothers me. It's like, I wish sometimes he could write lyrics that were just straightforward rather than reverting to this. As I said earlier, I don't know what tense that's in. I don't know from whom the perspective is for right. we all to dust descend. I don't it's, know. It's, 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 I don't even think it's grammatically grammatically correct English. For we all to dust descend. Pretty I sure it's it, not. I think it makes sense. Um, I, I would then, I would imagine the grammatically correct thing to say there would be before we all descend to dust. Uh, yeah, maybe it's it sounds it sounds a bit archaic. And not archaic. It just it just sounds made up. <laughs> well, I, and I don't know. That's kind of how they spoke English back. Back in never hundreds. <laughs> yeah, back in the Parthian era, right? Like that's probably like in, how, in Iran. <laughs> So they spoke English in Iran. No. Yeah, probably it probably is how they spoke oh, English in Iran because it wasn't their <laughs> fucking natural fucking native language. Virgil. <laughs> you know what I mean. Or we all the it, dust descend. I don't it's know. It's kind but, of like uh English back in the seventeenth century. No, it's it, it's not though. It's not. It's just it's Steve Harris. Mm. It's Steve Harris in the twenty first right. century. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then and then later on when they a slumber was my main ideal. Asunder did my spirit steal. I just, I'd love those lines. I uh, look, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I do like the lyrics on this song. It's just like things like that. Sometimes just like, like I said with them, um, death of the cows, make it, break it, walk it. It's like, right. it's like he's trying to make the thing sound fancier than it is. Ar- I use the word archaic and then the, because I looked up, I had to look up both the word a slumber and asunder. And asunder is an archaic term meaning, meaning to fall apart. To, yeah, in kind of like divided into pe- or fall into pieces or something yeah. like that. Like Asun- asunder, I, I would have known what that meant now without looking it up. A slumber obviously means asleep. Right. Uh, yeah, like prior to that, like prior to falling asleep is kind of what it means, I guess. So, but. Uh, I hadn't. I don't know if I have. Ha- I have ever heard either of those words before. It's, right. I mean, just, I, they're just ancient. I don't know. I don't a, sl- know. a slumber and a sunder. I. I definitely heard. I. D- I know the word slumber, obviously, but a slumber is just hmm. like it's kind of like old, old English kind of like yeah, written on parchment. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I personally with a quill, would have, with the quill on the, with the quill. Yeah. <laughs> I would have heard those words before, but um, there are plenty of words in his lyrics that I haven't heard before. So like, that's, um, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Uh, 
there, there are certainly plenty I haven't heard before as well. Um, but yes, uh, sorry. So where are we now? The, the Yannickism uh, in the song too, uh, um, with the guitar playing the, the melody of the lyrics at the same time. It goes on throughout this whole time. When the moon will rise again. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Throughout that whole, uh, all of the verses up until. Do you, know, do you know what I like, actually? Around 2.57, um, he starts with the, the verse, Sweet revenge will be ours, vengeance of a shaken world. Just remember that patience is no sin. What I really like about those lyrics is that they don't rhyme. The final yeah. words on the lines do not rhyme with the, the line that comes next. Which or is kind of, It's kind of not like how Steve Harris usually writes, right? He usually is very... Yes. structured in in his in his rhyming and his the syllables yeah definitely um, but yeah I, I agree with that it's a good good observation i really like that they don't line and i think oh, sorry rhyme and i think more bands should do this and uh one band that i can think of it's an irish metal band called primordial none of their lyrics ever rhyme ever but the songs all work and they sound really good and I've often thought when I've been listening to Primordial saying, like, why don't more bands do this? Like, they don't need to rhyme. If you deliver the lines with conviction and you deliver the lines well, like, the lyrics do not need to rhyme. It's like, it's kind of like, um, it's like, it's like, it's, it's a safe place for a writer, you know, uh, yeah. shame, fame, disgrace, face, all this bullshit. Like, whereas, like, yeah. Reading that, like, sweet revenge will be ours, vengeance of a shaken world. Just remember that patience is no sin. They're perfectly good lyrics and they don't need to rhyme. And even the delivery of Bruce on the song, yeah, the way he sings them, it, it, it's it's not until you're investigating the song like under a microscope that you even realize that they don't rhyme. Yeah, you know, so- and I didn't even realize it until you mentioned it. Yeah, but like, they don't I- need it. Like and like I think if if bands kind of escape from that place where like everything has to rhyme like they free themselves up like if it like it frees them from the shackles of rhyming yeah it, it, it frees you to the rest of the language exactly because you, when you're rhyming you have to you, you're confined to a certain subset of the language that you can exactly and like and you're kind of confined to like the, the 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 very very common words because like you're probably not going to think of anything like that's that's not particularly common because you've already restricted yourself with this kind of rhyming structure. So when you say face, you're going to think of disgrace or place or. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas, like, if you just free yourself from that, you, you can actually put any word you want in there. Yeah, that's really really cool. Um, just building on that, when um, in that verse, when he goes on to say, "Lord of Light in the Darkness." Yeah, I noticed died. that. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out to the song "Lord of Light." Yes, yeah. Um, but like "Fallen Angel," sort of like Lucifer. Uh, I don't know. Like, there's there's another religious element that's being that's being communicated in this song. Like God to know in the in the mire. Heaven knows when life will end, and then now Lord of Light. He's kind of like a fallen angel, and he's our guide. I don't know. And then when after that, after that verse, it goes into Yannick's first solo. Mm. And, it's, uh, and then uh, and the, the instrumental is just, it's just so 
the instrumentals kind of tell the story as well in this song, I find. Okay, what do you mean? Y- Yannick's solo after that, after that verse leads into that, like, okay, I'm gonna play Yannick's solo, yeah, around three, uh, 318, yeah. Around 358, it's got a kind of double, double lick that... Here we go. Anyway, yeah, like, um, as far as I'm concerned, like I said, uh, it had a kind of a nondescript intro, um, unremarkable, but this song really yeah. grows and grows and grows and grows, and it grows yeah. with, with new Absolutely. riffs, new Every solos, lesson. and, like, some people might say that this song is repetitive, but I think they, they keep introducing new riffs right until yeah. the end of the song. To me, in this song, anyway, again, my own opinion, uh, the lyrics don't mean that much to me, but they... They're like, they sit into the song. They just, they just, um, they're like placeholders for when the guitar isn't being fucking amazing. And so going into the, the solos, the, Dave has a solo starting around five minutes, goes for about 50 seconds. And then it goes into Yannick and then Adrian, Adrian's so, okay. Once we get into Adrian's solo, I have it. It's kind of a, it's a weird solo for me, but okay, let's yeah. Let's so listen what to... I've what I've written here is um five minutes and two seconds more soloing Yannick yeah. question mark. So you're saying this is Dave? I I think so. Um, I got this from a Reddit post again. Uh, somebody said that the first solo five oh two to five forty eight is Dave, yeah, and then five forty eight to six minutes is Yannick, yeah, because it sounds sort of short and punchy. Yeah, uh, five forty-eight. But then very the funny because I've I've written a, another solo at five forty-eight, lit, exactly five forty-eight, and I said maybe Adrian. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> and then okay, I said, so, then I said back to early riff guitar bits playing behind, building on riff from earlier. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm pretty. So based on who, whoever wrote that Reddit post, they said it was Dave solo five hundred two to five forty-eight, which is mm. a pretty long solo. Mm. Um, I really love. I really love that solo. It, yes. it, 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 uh, and it particularly near the end, it really kind of fits the mood. Yeah. And then Yannick goes into a short, kind of punchy, typical kind of Yannick solo. Right. 
So in, in my guessing game here, I thought that it was uh, Yannick into Adrian. But uh, as I said so in, in many let's episodes... Play, let's play it and let's see if we can... No, no, no. Look, as I said in many episodes of many podcasts, not even my own, just other people said, like, I do not know for definite who's playing these solos. I wouldn't have known either, and I've cheated to kind of find out who And I would were. probably trust the people more on Reddit than I would trust myself. Yeah, because some... And I looked at the comments below, and most people would, like, normally on Reddit, like, somebody will... Yeah, they'll upvote. Say if you're yeah, an yeah. idiot or something, mm. right, and correct you. Mm. Uh, but the solo that... Anyway, so why don't we play... Right, yeah, let's play it. I'm going to play it all the way yeah. through. The tone on the guitar mode more so than maybe from the Yannick. Well, now that you're saying it, probably is Dave. Oh, yeah, especially with the hair. This sounds like Yannick. It's actually the, like, the, the pedal he's using or something, it just makes me think it's Yannick. I think Yannick comes in now, 548. I thought this was Adrian. I think the dead giveaway was there right, right around 557. Mm. It sounded more Yannicky. Uh, right. But then right. Adrian's. Okay, a play. What? Sorry, yeah. Uh, the next solo, the notes that I have, like, I found the next solo that Adrian plays around 614. Mm. It just sounds like he's kind of unsure. Like, around around 630, it kind of... If you play it from 614... Yeah, this isn't a great solo. It's, it sounds like he's like, struggling to... No, it, it's one of the poorer solos on the album. Yeah, like, especially that last one. Like... I just want to say, because we're still listening to it, this is one of my favorite riffs on the entire album. Yeah, this Fucking love it. Melody. And I'm assuming this is Yannick. I don't know why it's the guitar tone. It sounds just, like a Yannickism. Yeah. I love it. So simple, but so effective. Anyway, sorry, before Bruce is there, we just in there. We'll stop there. But, um, yeah, some, some interesting soloing there. The one that you were saying, maybe Adrian's, I think, is probably the least interesting and, and, uh, uh, and possibly just, yeah, one of the least interesting on the entire album. It just seems so fucking scattered. But at the, at the same time, uh, on this song alone, there's like six solos. Yeah. Um, and so, I, and this one, I feel like maybe it's maybe intentionally. Yeah, I think we, of, like, we didn't even like, touch on the earlier ones, but like we can talk about fucking everything. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't know, but that Adrian solo, um, it just sounds like he's kind of like the the note uh, the note that I made here is that it sounds like he's unsure, but then he and then at the end he's kind of struggling to hit that last note. He's like trying to pull it 
but he just like he doesn't like hit that last note but it's still it still works though yeah it still sounds um, good it's but, like, like I, I, I would imagine this is one of these songs that steve presented to the band that said i've got the owl song written right just need to yeah say, <laughs> right right it's about it's about a bloke it's, it's, <laughs> it's, right, right, a, it's right a bro bloke right <laughs> and he's a he he's a he's a parchment <laughs> He's right. But bloke, he's also he is a parchment himself, right? King. Oh, another yeah, another thing about the the king. Um, it makes reference to a king here, right? And the gallant king, we bow we bow to him. But I don't know if you found this in your um, research, but the king that I found is like King Mithridate. No, I didn't find this. No, this um, is this I one have... of the um, the bloody. I can't remember the name of the empire. Uh, the P- Parthian Empire. Yes, yes. There's a king. Uh, one of. Oh wait, hold on a second. Um, Mithridates, uh, Hellenistic king, one of Rome's greatest enemies. Hellenistic. That uh, one, is that from Greece? I think. I think it might be. Hellas is Greece. Yeah. So anyway, I'm get, we're getting I'm getting ahead on the lyrics here. When it starts, when, um, countenance is not a sin. Gallant king, we bow to him. Fierce as wolf with a leopard skin, dark mm. and bitter deep within. Ah, mm. uh, no, it's just so so well written. That king, um, shedding parents' blood. I feel like this whole this whole song is kind of about revenge. Right. Sweet revenge. Um, yeah, the sweet the word the term sweet revenge is used in there. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's, yeah, it's really really cool song. I'll tell you, I am um, looking at the lyrics in a tempest never shaken. I did look up the word tempest because again, like a storm, right? Yeah, it's it's a word I'd heard before, but I never really knew what it meant. So a violent or windy storm. Uh, I remember when I was younger, the the deodorant brand Lynx, which I believe is called Axe in your neck of the woods. Uh, had a had a um a fragrance called Lynx Tempest. Wow! <laughs> in, the, in the 1990s, Did it smell and good? I don't know because I didn't wear deodorant back then because I was only like ten, <laughs> ten years you old. Re- you hadn't hit puberty yet. Yeah, but um, Lynx Tempest was definitely a thing, and um, of those fragrances, there was Lynx Tempest, there was Lynx Africa, and then there was Lynx a few other things, and. The only one that survived from that that era was Lynx Africa. Um, so Tempest R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I don't think Steve was making reference to that fragrance. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this part now um, that we just yes. kind of finished off on. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love this part of Bruce love singing it. with yeah. the riff underneath. It's it's just excellent. And his singing here is just perfect. Anyway, I'm I'm not gonna play that whole thing because it goes on for another minute and a half. But um, I think those verses, if I suppose you'd call them verses, like you know, like they're they're yeah. in a in a different kind of um format to the to the earlier verses we heard. But um, I think Bruce is like he's not overexerting himself but he does the part very well 
He's using his lower register, which yes, I really, exactly. really enjoy. I really appreciate that, and I wish he would yeah. do it more. And 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 like it, it suits him at this stage of his life to sing in that register and to hit those notes and hit them well, but not to be like he doesn't have to be blasting out an aces high type note every time he sings, like, or he doesn't have to be like the red and the black. It's a really, really nice tempered song. The lyrics are very kind of manageable uh, right. and like I, yeah. I mean i commend steve for that because he, he wrote these lyrics and he's written some horrendous lyrics for blue for bruce before uh but these ones are like nicely paced and bruce can pronounce every word and sing every word and mention everything and like he doesn't sound strained or stressed or rushed actually is is, is the word i would use uh, he, yeah. he sounds like he has plenty of time yeah, to sing every single straining. word yes straining and he has plenty of time to actually get out all the fucking syllables, like which is it's a really nice treat <laughs> for the yeah. listener. <laughs> yeah, another com- another note that I had here about um, fierce as wolf with the leopard skin was a common depiction of this king Mithridate- Mithridates. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, yeah, yeah. Rome. I guess he's a Roman um, enemy of Rome. I guess back then it was probably yeah. the king of this. Um, empire yeah uh, and then mm. another thing was uh, intoxicated with their hell mm. where he was he was um experimenting i guess with with like different poisons to kind of um get get immune and later on it kind of makes reference to that of mm. um uh, where does it say that anyway yeah i just i think it's just so brilliant how how he's laying all of this out in sort of a prose. I don't know. The the lyrics are just, it's hard to interpret, right? It's just going into Steve's mind. I, I, I found it hard to make any sense of them because like there's, as I said earlier, there's plenty of imagery. It's like fierce as a wolf with a leopard skin. Then he's like saying later, sea of blood in light divine. Savage beasts, beasts, troops, troops engage. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know what he's talking about. There's definitely some, re- there's a revenge sort of theme that's persistent throughout the whole song. Mm. Mm. Shedding parents' blood later on. It's like they're, he's coming back to kind of, um, yeah, to, uh, come back maybe against the t- tyrannical rule of like the, the parents. Maybe I don't know because he's. Um, I don't know, a, like, I, like I, I, like I think, unless I'm missing something, I feel the lyrics are a bit incoherent. I'll give you an example, like one of the verses: "The prodigal has returned. Give us our own revenge. Yeah, with yeah. the power he learned, we will burn the same again." It's like, I wish, when Steve was writing lyrics. I know he what I know he knows what he means, but I wish he yeah. would make it easier for us to know what he means because the like, like that yeah. that 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 whole that verse it, it's missing words, you know. It's it's like, and it's missing a fucking storyline. Like it it's like, I want to know what you're talking about, but you're you fucking doing your best not to tell me. And that that word, the prodigal. Uh, I wonder if he's intentionally going back to the um, prodigal son. Yeah, prodigal son. Yeah, from uh, is that from the first album or from Killers? Killers. Yeah. 
And then at the end, they, they repeat the intro again as the outro, which is kind of common on, on these songs and common on Sinjutsu. Um, but overall, what are your thoughts on the parchment? It just every time they listen to it, it gets better. I think so as well. And I think like, they and even last night when I hadn't listened to it for three weeks or so, and then I listened last night and then just like, I don't know, it just gives me that, that visceral emotional reaction every time it makes my hair stand on end. I just love yeah. it. Th- this, this is prime Iron Maiden for me. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it's got riffs. It's got chorus. Uh, sorry. It's got no riffs. Chorus. Yeah. Sorry. That, that's <laughs> wrong. Sorry. It's got riffs. It's got solos and it's got vocal melodies even though it doesn't have a chorus actually. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it, it, it is everything that we love about Iron Maiden. And if you're a fan of the post Brave New World era, it's pretty much everything we love about that era of Iron Maiden encapsulated in one song. And it, and it builds as well. It's, it's, it's not repetitious because it builds. Like if you yeah, hear a new nothing riff. Nothing is repetitious in this song. Yeah. Like if you hear the same riff from earlier on, but there's a different piece behind it. Like, yeah. and, and, and there's like five or six new riffs in this song. And there's like several co- um, uh, solos. It's like, it's not just like a brave new world in a brave new world. Yeah. Uh, which I love, by the way. Or so like I only dream in black and white. It's yeah. like it, it yeah. has so many unique Out of passages. The silent planet. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And like just speeding that up later. Out of the silent planet. But like <laughs> again, I love that song. But like this too, this yeah. has so many unique musical passages. So in many it. And, layers. And if you if you listen to this and you say, Oh, it's really repetitive, blah blah blah. You're just not listening properly. You're not listening with your fucking ears because there are so many unique musical passages in this song. It's not repetitive. It's just long. And I understand some people who don't like long songs. Fair enough. But if you give it the courtesy of an actual listen, you'll realize that like the length is due to the fact that there are so many unique musical passages in it. Right, we're, we are actually at the final song. The final on, song on Senjutsu. It's it's, it's taken us bittersweet. It's taken us a month to get here, but you know what? It's been a it's a month well spent, and uh, I'm very glad to have you here on Feckin' Metal to discuss Senjutsu, and we're at the final song, Hell on Earth. Oh I'm just I'm, before I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to play the intro here. you hear x factor here too oh absolutely oh man i have a comment to make here now in a minute the synths strong again I'm just going to stop there. So to me, <clears throat> the comment I've written down here is X Factor cast off. Yeah. This have, is not a good introduction. Really? I had mine is bass heavy intro 
again, similar to X Factor, synths come in strong again that kind of complement the bass heavy melodies. I've written blah intro, X Factor. Yeah, that, you know, that's fair. That's fair. And then around 116, that the second guitar comes in and adds more of a melody. To, to me, like there is absolutely nothing remarkable about this intro. In fact, it's probably on the album, I would say it's probably the worst intro on the entire album. Oh, wow. For just basic, it's a basic bitch. <laughs> 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 now, it what sounds, I will say, I, I love the melody though. It just sounds so good. What I will say is that that is all forgiven at around yeah. two minutes and 15 seconds. Right. When. The riff kicks in, which I believe is the best riff on the entire album. Oh, so good. And it leads into, in my in my opinion, the best song on the entire album. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to play that riff because it's fucking brilliant. Amazing. So we have two two minutes, two minutes, 15 seconds of this kind of basic bitch intro. Yeah. And then we have this. is where I have it. Kicks in and it gets going. Typical, typical Maiden with the gallop. Anthemic. Uplifting. Awesome. This riff is fucking unbelievable. So good. It's the most urgent I've ever I've heard them in like 20 years. And then we have another riff. And we'll hear this riff later again in the song. And we have a third riff. So we have three riffs in the intro. And I wonder, is that like the three different guitarists playing a different riff? Yeah, typical Maiden Gallop. But do you reckon like each of the three guitarists has a riff? Right. So sorry, I was saying there, like there's three, there's three riffs. There's the intro riff. Well, sorry, there's the intro part, right? And then there's three hard rock riffs. Yeah. And I was wondering like, did each of the individual guitarists get given one riff? Oh, yeah, because there's I'd... three distinct riffs after the intro. Probably. I wonder. I um, wonder. Anyway, it's like I'm just speculating. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so I said it's a blah intro. It's an X Factor cast off. But it... after that intro, my God, is that right? Is that the Iron Maiden song I ever wanted to hear? Like so good. It fucking is. It's like it's like um, it's like a little fucking treat at the end of the album that you weren't expecting and you're like listening to the, the intro kind of going oh okay it's another one of these fucking it's like that just blows me away every time and like i don't think i've ever kind of gotten used to that riff in that anytime i listen to it still it still catches me off guard in a good yeah, way and I just last last night when i was listening to it preparing for this episode again it was like that and and because again. i hadn't listened yeah again again uh he, he or be, because i hadn't listened to it for three weeks or so it was just like it had that impact on me again as you say <laughs> uh it was just oh man i yeah th- those riffs are just so beautiful and 
to me, to me, that this is Iron Maiden making a statement. It's the last song on yeah. the album. It's the final song on the album. Like its placement can't be accidental or, or coincidental. To, to me, that's Iron Maiden saying, "Yes, we are in our sixties, but we still have things to say musically and lyrically, and yeah. we still have the chops to do so." Yeah, I, I have an interesting quote from Yannick, um, where he says, "We made this album very differently." Normally we get a studio to rehearse in and then get seven or eight songs ready as a live band uh, first before we record. But this time it was all done in the studio. We went in and we actually learned things there, putting them down soon after and then moving on to the next. So it got quite confusing, especially with the longer songs. There were so many melodies and riffs floating around in the studio. Songs like Death of the Celts, uh, the parchment and hell on earth were all done in parts. Sometimes we'd be playing three part harmonies together. And there were a lot of tempo changes. Steve would have a riff and a melody for us to memorize. And then there would be a tempo change. And then we'd be back to the melody, but a different tempo. It was not an easy album to make. Right. Yana yeah. not mincing his words there. Yeah. So like, you know, Steve, you just see him kind of cooking this absolute epic of a song the last three songs just absolute epics and just like how they were i think i I don't know complicated i think within the first two minutes of this song i was kind of like i was jaded to be honest i was like i've listened to uh whatever it was at this point 70 minutes of an album and like it's like (laughs) and i was like oh jesus not this again but then when that riff kicks in and then those subsequent riffs, I was like, fuck me. This is fucking fantastic. I don't know how better I can put it like, or yeah. more, more, articulately, more articulately I can put it. It's just like this song um, is, is, is a statement. This is Iron Maiden and this is what they find, do. Um, when you just, when you just um, made those sounds with, and with that melody, it reminded me of when the wild wind blows. I think that's the actual <laughs> song I was humming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's the song I was humming. I don't even know if that's the actual intro similar, to Hell on Earth. It's but a similar composition, right? Like at the beginning, it's like, yeah. and then it like really kicks and it goes, in. Yeah, it's a pretty similar composition, but I feel like Hell on Earth is when the wild wind blows times 10 yeah i think hell, like hell on earth is the song that you know when the whirlwind blows looks in the mirror and like it, it tries to flex its muscles but it's not quite that it's like that's what that's what it wants to be it wants to be hell on earth it's looking <laughs> yeah. at a picture of hell on earth and like on a magazine cover and it's going it's trying to do a flex in the mirror and it's like i have muscles and you're like you don't though <laughs> <laughs> hell it's on earth is like when, hell on earth is like Dolph Lundgren in, in Rocky 4 and like uh, when the whirlwind blows is like fucking I don't know like Napoleon Dynamite I was, I was gonna <laughs> say Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> that's crazy <Were> you? <laughs> that's so funny man <laughs> uh, but, but Napoleon Dynamite excellent nonetheless <laughs> <laughs> but nothing further um yeah all right very good um so all right okay we've talked about the riffs we've talked about the intro let's have a look at these lyrics of hell on earth beginning of a sunrise bores a big hole in the sky 
Not That's to really ch- cool imagery, I find. Yes. Not to reason why that armed children are in this world and fighting in the name of God's way, mourning, bleak, and utter, wa- utter waste. The vanity of the world is assured now. So I've written here, uh, the first verse in my mind deals with the futility of war, which is a common subject for Iron Maiden. Uh, the sunrise creates a hole in the sky. It's like almost saying that there's always bad news around the corner. Uh, you, you might be looking at a sunrise, but realistically in the modern world, there is no good news. There's only bad news. So if somebody tells you about the sunrise, it's, it's only later on to tell you that there's a war or a fucking shooting or some yeah. kind of atrocity or disaster, because that's all we hear about nowadays in, in the modern news cycle. I would um, absolutely echo that. And it kind of reminds me again of for the greater good of God, where they're kind of lamenting the fact that religion is used as a kind of veil for reasons to go to war and like a vanity of the world it kind of spoke to me was was kind of like you're kind of using your religion as as a way to kind of mask who you really are yeah and that it's it's yeah fighting in the name of god's way it's it's like you're using your religion as a way to like be uh a wolf in sheep's clothing again to go back to for the greater good of god religion has a lot to answer for Do you know what's funny is actually we were talking earlier about like is steve harris a catholic or not a catholic like a christian or does he believe in god um did did he write for the greater good of god i believe he i believe he did yes might have done and he's like religion has a lot to answer for is one of the lyrics in that song and i think maybe he's kind of like questioning his beliefs in mm. a way where it's he believes in god but doesn't believe necessarily in humanity and how they use god to fight for their own gain their gain their gain for their own for their own advancement because they use god as a kind of it's vanity you know like i'm i worship god i pray every day you know but but i'm actually a monster deep inside you know it's kind of bleak yeah morning bleak and utter waste the vanity of the world is assured now and, and again i feel like that's kind of a recurring theme on this album uh, as we've talked about the last couple of songs but also to the first track and senjutsu it's kind of uh, i think they sort of make reference to um vanity i can't remember exactly the, the lyric but um it's, it is a recurring theme throughout this album. It's like kind of like using religion as your guise gotcha. to advance your own agenda. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the lyrics in the kind of second verse are interesting. He says, pray upon the weak no more. The spirits of those who are gone. Propaganda of the battles that are lost and won. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here, is he calling for an end to like the past dictating the future? It's like, pray upon the weak no more, the spirits of those who are gone. We live in a world where like current generations do the, the dirty work of, of previous generations. The spirits of those who are gone would be people who've passed away, who've died. But like th- their legacy lives on in like maybe less, like, like hatred or like um, 
I don't know, like prejudice, um, especially when you're talking about like war-torn countries, is like the spirits of those who are gone sometimes are, are the reason people go to war. It's like what's in the past is like kind of the reason for the war in the present. And I don't know, like is, is he kind of crying out for like the end to that? Maybe and because they're using the deaths of past wars as a, mu- a motivation sort of for current and future wars, like propaganda of the battles, um, spirits of those who are gone. Like it's, it's, it's him kind of urging, it's calling for an end like to the past dictating the future. And then propaganda of the battles that are lost or won. That's usually the reason to, or one one of the motivations to go to war is because of the past. Yes, battles. and the propaganda. Yes, and like yeah. the rhetoric. And then um, count your blessings still alive of those who managed to survive inside oblivion of that hell on earth. I just I I the, that really speaks to me. I like the 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 word oblivion there. It just it gives me a really nice imagery. It's kind of bleak, chaos, dystopian. And then, like the those lucky few who managed to survive in those battles, count your blessings um, because you survived in an actual hell on earth. And like it's kind of maybe it's in, it's giving like a directive, like you said, to those people who did survive, not to use that as a motivation for to go back to war. I guess I don't know. To me, what that's saying is like. And count your blessings still alive of those who managed to survive inside oblivion of that hell on earth. To me, this is like about the futility of war, like armies going off to war. And like it's it's kind of like the um it it's it's the oh, I don't know, like it's it's the maybe it's the company line of countries going like talking about war heroes, like people who survived war, you know, they're to be celebrated. So count your blessings, you know, you yeah. you, you went into a war, you came out of it, but like I think yeah. he's basically saying like anything to do with war is fucking hell on earth. Don't worry about hell in the afterlife. We are living through hell at the yeah, moment. And that hell sure. is war. That hell is war. It's it's humanity battling with one another. That is hell. Forget about the afterlife. We, we have it right now on earth. I quite like the lyrics. All you have <laughs> been, all you have seen lost in somewhere in your dreams. I think There's it's a vocal like, harmony there too. If you play it at like from four fifty. Before we got to the actual clip, I think it's like war takes away your identity, like it erases you. All you have been, all you have seen, is lost somewhere in your dreams. So like, it doesn't matter what person you were before. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you've seen. It's lost now because you are involved in a war, and anything you've done in the past is almost redundant. It's irrelevant. You are now this person who's gone to war and you, you'll never be the same again, mm-hmm. uh, no matter even if you go back to your original life. So for sure, anything, you've done, imagine. anything you've done is like obsolete almost. That's very well said, I think. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine soldiers that go to war and it's just like you said, the hell on earth, humans in a battlefield killing other humans for some goal that kind of gets communicated as propaganda it's just yeah it's kind of unfathomable unfathomable 
cool uh, vocal harmony there again you can never feel again mm. and then it goes into what would you call this the chorus or like i wish i could go back and never be the same again so at what point does that come in uh 5 19 or so okay let's have a listen I don't know if you could call that the chorus because I don't believe it happens again in the song, does it? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Mm. But it kind of sounds chorusy because it's like he's he says "hell on earth" four times. Oh yeah, he says it loads of times. I, I think at this stage, like at this point of the album, and also at this stage of their career, Iron Maiden have just thrown choruses out the window. Yeah, which is perfectly awesome. But I, I, like, you don't particularly need to have... at this stage of the album, because I don't believe like. Death of the Celts, I don't believe the parchment, and I don't believe Hell on Earth had a chorus. Um, and they, they didn't really need to either, like because they were like 10, 12, 13 minutes long. But uh, no, I like I like I don't I don't really think this is the chorus, like, but the these songs, these songs, where we're going, we don't need choruses. <laughs> yeah. I I like the line where it says. When I leave this world, I hope to see you all again on the other side of hell on earth. Yes. It's, and- it's, it's kind of a tie back to the parchment where meet me in afterlife or um, going to uh, afterlife, going to afterlife, meet me there. It's kind of, it kind of ties backwards. Like, oh, I hope to see you all again on the other side of hell on earth, like kind of in the afterlife. When I leave this world. Do you I know what I, I, I like the way he says on the other side of hell on earth, which presumably is heaven. Yeah. But he doesn't yeah. he doesn't use the word heaven because that would yeah. like be that would be too simplistic. Um on the other side of hell on earth. He I does think say is, heaven later on though. I'll see again heaven so far away from this hell on earth. Yes, that's fair enough. But like, yeah. but on this particular line, he's like on the other side of hell on earth, which I think is kind of quite poetic. And yes, it indeed. makes you think for a second. It's like, what's the other side of hell on earth? He's like, oh, all right. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's quite good. Yeah, love that. And then after that, after that, um, around five forty-seven, it kind of like goes into like kind of whip. The way I, I have a note here, kind of a whippy kind of sounding guitar. Yeah, it's, it it's leads a very, into that first solo. Yeah, it's a very like, strange solo. And then it, yeah, that's them. And then a new solo comes in here. Yeah, Adrian. We go into a riff, yeah. Breaks it down to kind of a slower section, and it's just like Nico with the hi hat, like. in the synths oh, so I love that part too 
All right. So how do you feel about this um, dance on the grave part? Oh, so cool. If we start at around 6.45, when it goes back into like, and then it's just like the setting the stage. And the synths also, you know, like setting the stage. Mm. So when I'm listening to this, I'm like, this is almost Irish jig music. <laughs> Especially when it comes into the next part. And the vocal harmonies. Yeah. Love it. If you, li- if you listen to the low part, mm. love the low part of the Here we go. Fuck me. So good. I can't wait to hear this live. So I'm going to ask you, what, what's your take on those lyrics? Absolutely epic. Like such. Well, what, what do you uh, think he's, he's singing about? Like based on the rest of the song. What do you think love in anger life in danger, loss in anger, life in danger means? I think the anger in the sense that there he's feeling love, but he's also lost in anger mm. might be in the sense that maybe you've been fighting your whole life against something that's maybe not necessarily what you thought it was because you've kind of been misguided or Mm. um, uh, propaganda has kind of guided you or like the, the, based on the earlier lyric in the song, the propaganda um, kind of guiding you into hating like some, the anger kind of like hate against other humans Mm. and, but you're kind of lost in that because it's like, maybe you're realizing that that was maybe not the way to think to think i guess i don't know i i'm just pulling that out no no like I, I think that's quite good my take on it it was like it's like the stream of consciousness of a soldier right so yeah like, exactly yeah so it's like love and anger it's like i love my country but i hate that i have to fight yeah yeah. Life in danger. Well, that's fucking obvious. It's like I'm out here. I'm a, I'm a soldier. I'm in a foreign country and I'm putting my life at risk. And he's like lost in anger. It's like, fuck me. Like, I want to do what's right, but I'm fucking lost. Like, yeah. I don't even know far, if I don't even know away if, from the land of our birth. Exactly. I don't even know if what I'm doing is correct. Like, but I'm, I'm fucking lost in anger. It's like life yeah. in danger, and then it just repeats itself. But like, yeah. to me, to um, me, it's like it's it's like it's like a um, it's like um, it's like a stream of consciousness of the emotions of a soldier who's in a foreign country, and yeah. like he has love, loss, anger, and it's just coming out like it's just been spitting it out. Yes, um, like and he, like he doesn't even know what it means. Like it's just it's like it's not even like it's kind of nonsensical, but it's like it's everything you feel like as a soldier in a foreign country and you're just spitting it out and just 
fucking fucking I don't know, just expressing yourself. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, that's kind of exactly what I was trying to express, uh, but you put it better. And, and I think actually maybe love and anger is the chorus more so. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. It but says, it's a late chorus. It comes very late, but it is a chorus, I think. I have it as a bridge. Um, but I mean but, like... But bridge to what? A bridge to a bridge to death. Because <laughs> <laughs> it comes back bridge in here. anger. back to the intro again um and then it fades out does any other iron maiden song fade out i honestly don't know like okay. this is the type of trivia that like somebody be like yes actually four <laughs> songs fade out one of them was women in uniform and actually <laughs> maybe a b-side but i don't think and the other one was Rainbow's Gold, and uh, the other one was the Sheriff of Huddersfield. And uh, okay, those are all. Actually, do you even like Iron Maiden? Because you don't sound like you do. Who are you impersonating? I'm not sure. There, I went into a Canadian thing. There, I have no idea. That doesn't sound Canadian. I don't sound like you. Do. You don't sound like you. Don't like sound you. Canadian, eh? You don't. You don't sound like you like Iron Maiden. Why don't you have a Tim Hortons coffee? And a donut and relaxy. No, no, we need we need to finish this off, right? Okay, yeah. so all right, so that was hell on earth. That's the Love end it. of Senjutsu. We like, made it. I, we, we made, made it. it. We made it. We fucking made it. Um, <laughs> but like as you know, I'm not a big ranker, but I don't know. You 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 like to rank things, don't you? I would put Hell on Earth, I think, on the No, top. not 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 Hell on Earth. The album. Where do oh, you where do you where do you like I'll, I'll give you an easy one, right? I'll give you an easy one. And I might even be able to do this myself. Where would you rank this album amongst the post reunion albums of Iron Maiden? Uh 
I knew you were going to ask that and I still don't have an answer. It's just still, it's only been two months. It's crazy mm-hmm. to think. It's only okay, been yeah, yeah, sorry, months, I, I, but it I, feels I, like longer. I won't, I won't force you to do it because personally, I don't even like doing it myself. I would, but in top, I would put top two, I think, uh, with, with Brave New World. Uh, okay. But I don't know which one would be number one, number two. Right. It's still kind of like, but it's, man, doing this deep dive into this album, it's, it's been so much fun. And I, I feel like maybe just having that as part of my emotional connection to this album might mm. make it even just have that edge. But mm. also like I have, I have an emotional connection to Brave New World too. Like it was like the first album that kind of got me into Iron Maiden back in yeah. the day, back in like 2006 or seven, whenever I started listening to them. Right. So it's, it's tough. It's tough to put like it's just like it's yeah i don't know it's it's kind of it's hard to rank them yeah well like personally that's why i don't like doing it because it it makes you make it makes you like force your emotions and your nostalgia to compete against each other (laughs) which i i I find very difficult to do extremely difficult to do it nay nay impossible to do yeah what i will say yeah, go ahead. That this album to me is as good as anything that's been released post reunion. For sure. Apart from Brave New World, which I think is the best album they've ever released. Wow. So I'll say it's as good as Dance of Death, Matter of Life and Death, Brave New World. Sorry, not Brave New World. <laughs> So you think it's number two or maybe tied below Brave New World? I think so. And I think I can validate that claim by the songs The Parchment, Hell on Earth, Writing on the Wall, Stratego, Darkest Hour. Those songs are, are fucking fantastic. And yeah. the title tracks and Jutsu, they are yeah. some of the best songs Iron Maiden I've ever written. And the more I look at it, the more I, I can't can't say that like oh like what would i say the more i can't fucking put it below any of those put albums. it below exactly yeah. any of those albums even even dance of death which i love i absolutely love dance of death but i think i think stratego stratego jesus i think sinjutsu has as many excellent songs on it as dance of death does sorry <laughs> not sorry <laughs> I think it has more. Like I don't, I don't know. It's tough to say that there's any weak songs on Senjutsu. Like maybe, maybe Death of the Celts, but we just kind of went through that, and we both have a newfound appreciation for it. Versus kind of Dance of Death, there's a couple of weak songs. I think like. Uh, mm. um, All right, look, Andrew, we're gonna have to wrap this up. This be going on for a fucking yeah. y- years. <laughs> Um, so this has been me and Andrew DeBroy talking about St. Juicy, the new, not so new anymore, two month old Iron Maiden album. We hope you've enjoyed this series. Um, yes. And this is going to finish it off now. So 
we are very happy that you have listened and stuck with us. But Andrew, any final words on, on Senjutsu? It's been such a fun journey to kind of to record this with you. I, I always appreciate hearing your perspective on songs. And it's kind of, it, I feel like we kind of had a good back and forth on every single song that we recorded. And I don't know. I, I love this album. I have a lot of connection, a lot of emotional connections and responses that I still feel every time I listen to it. It still gets better with every listen. And I, I don't know. I've, it's just been awesome the last two months. It's fun to be an Iron Maiden fan. All right, so if you stuck with us all the way through, not only this episode, but the three episodes that reviewed Senjutsu, I greatly appreciate it. That was a really interesting and enjoyable series of chats I had with Andrew. It was just such a great laugh. We had a brilliant time doing it. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did doing it. And of course, I would like to give a massive thanks to Andrew for giving me... 10 hours of his life at least <laughs> to get these episodes recorded um, I, I hugely appreciate the dedication that he's shown to feckin metal to Iron Maiden and to podcasting and um, yeah I look I, I know he really enjoyed it too because he, he's told me privately that he had a, a blast doing it so again thanks Andrew for your contributions I really appreciate it and I can't wait for us to attend our first Iron Maiden concert together in Belfast in June of 2022. Really looking forward to that one. I know a lot of listeners are also going to that as well. That's going to do it for this episode. I am going to be with you on Friday the 12th of November with the new installment in Ark Sabbath. And each Friday after that, I'm going to be dropping an episode weekly as I used to do back in the olden days when I started feckin' metal. So I hope you'll join me then. That's going to do it from me. I'll see you next time. <laughs>